This time of year is, uh, it's always one of my favorite times. It's always one of my favorite things that goes on at this time of year. Uh, this week actually was like, it was like my second Christmas of the year. Opening day of baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball started up this week. It was really exciting. Uh, Astros won the first game, lost the next two, so they're going to turn it around the rest of the season. It's going to be okay. But uh, I'm a huge baseball fan. And I think my, my love for baseball goes, and if, we can, if I trace it back, goes to when I was a kid playing Little League. Um, we were one of those families uh, that, that we didn't just go to the ballpark whenever I had a game. Uh, we went to the ballpark when everyone had a game. Uh, if there was a game going on, there was a good chance we were running around. I was probably getting in trouble somewhere uh, at the ballpark. But I loved, loved, loved baseball. And I remember my, my, my dad being like, he's always going to be one of my, co- he's always going to be my coach. He was always going to be there. It was a fantastic time. I loved, like it was awesome because like we, were, we, we hung out a lot. But he was one of those guys. He wasn't just going to be the coach. He wasn't just going to be like a spectator or, or helping me. He was going to try and get everybody to do good. He was also not just going to be like, you know, on the board for the league, but he was also going to be like the maintenance man for the league. Like he was going to do whatever he had to do to make sure the field was ready to go. So at the beginning of the year, Raceland Rec Fields, right, there was a, a little bit of maintenance that had to be done pretty much every year. You had to clean up the dirt around the bases, get all the, get all the trash kind of plants and stuff, cut the grass, right? You may even have to put up a fence on some of the fields. Like I remember back in the day, there was a lot, good bit of maintenance that had to happen. One of them was the parking lots a lot of times needed a little bit more gravel, well, when they drop off gravel or they drop off dirt or whatever, what do they do? They just pile it up. So we were there before the season. I had a few of my friends whose dads were also crazy like mine um, that, that just happened to be there. And like we were playing and having our fun. And we came around riding our bikes. And we saw one of the most exciting things that eight-year-old boys can find. A rock pile. Because, I mean, there's a, the, the possibilities are endless when you look at a rock pile. We can, like, climb it. We can throw our friends off of it. We can throw rocks at the guy that's on top of it. Like, it's, a, it's so much fun, right? So we're playing around. We're, we're, we're joking around. We're doing all kind of stuff. Till finally, like, it got a, the, the wrestling and the fighting around the rock pile got, you know, it, it just kind of got boring. It got stale. Till we saw that there was a truck about 30 yards away. It was a flatbed truck. So we're now going to figure out, we're going to have a competition. Who can take a rock and land it on the flatbed? Not just hit the flatbed, but land the rock on the flatbed. Like, it's going to stay there. Now, that's a hard thing. You got to throw it with the right arc, right, you know, the right momentum. Like, you got to be pretty good to be able to land a rock on a flatbed. It happened once or twice, and... We were there for about 30 minutes throwing rocks, even though a bunch of people told us not to throw rocks, but it was okay. Um, figured we weren't going to get in trouble. It didn't matter. They were busy with the field. So we're doing this. We're doing this. Until one of my buddies, got bo- we got bored with that, and he looked at me, and he said the words that no eight-year-old wants to hear. He says, uh, I dare you. Now, it's never a good thing that follows the words, I dare you, Right? But he looks at me and he says, I dare you to hit the white part of the truck, the cab. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm eight. 
I can't, I can't let him dare me and not do it. Then I'm getting teased. I'm going to get called all kind of names. Like, of course. So I'm digging around in the rock pile, and I find the perfect rock. Like, this thing's going to fly straight. It's going to fly a long time. Aerodynamically sound. Like, this thing is perfect, right? Cock back. Throw it. And there it goes. It's flying through the air. It's online. A little bit high. Uh-oh. Crash. Broke the passenger side window. And I still remember, like, the freak out that I had going on where I just, my buddies now, they, they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to do it. And they've, like, been fighting and stuff with me and, like, playing around with me. They scatter. They're gone now. So now I'm, I'm by myself. I'm standing on top of the rock pile. A rock obviously, hand, like, caused this. Oh, no. And I remember just running. I remember just going, like, getting on my bike and just riding and trying to hide somewhere. And I remember sitting there just hiding and thinking, I'm alone. Thinking, there's no one else that's here. What did I do? Just kind of ashamed. And then hits the wave of, my dad's going to kill me. And if he doesn't, my mom certainly will. <laughs> but I remember the wave that just hit me of, I'm isolated, I'm alone, and I'm going to get in a lot of trouble with my parents. I think all of us at some point in our life have had that kind of isolating moment where we did something wrong. It might be as little as breaking a window as a kid, it might be something more serious later in life, but I got a feeling that every one of us at some point in our life, if we're truly honest, we've had that kind of epiphany moment where our shame and our guilt has just isolated us from everything. And the afterthought was probably, I'm gonna get in trouble. If it's something with our own sin, God's not going to love me. Like, I got a feeling that every one of us have experienced that kind of isolation, that kind of shame, that kind of hurt in our lives at some point. And that's the space that we find the prodigal son. You see, the prodigal son, when he gets his inheritance and he goes off and he squanders it, it goes away. It's kind of like breaking a window where all of a sudden he doesn't know what to do next. He's alone. He's by himself. He's in a strange land. And now he's starving. He's ashamed. He's by himself. What is my dad going to say? Like his, his, his idea is, is I'm going to just, you know what? I'm going to just go and beg, beg and beg for mercy. So like eight-year-old me, he's like pretend, he's got like his lines figured out as he's on his way back to the Father. He's got his lines figured out like, I, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Make me a slave in your house. So all I need to be is just a slave in your house. And I imagine him like an eight-year-old walking back, walking the whole journey back home thinking, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Just make me a slave in your household. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I've made it, make, it, make me a slave in your household. Just so he remembers exactly the words that need to happen. 
He's ready to apologize in whatever way he can just so that his father is going to let him back and feed him. Just give him basic, the basics. You know, whenever we look at, when we think about this, when we think about this image of that kind of father, it could be something that, like, it's hard to kind of look at because it might be something in our lives that's not the most comfortable thing. Like, our expression of father in our life might not have been perfect. We may have been used to, if we're getting in trouble, the hammer coming down on us at that point. Being afraid of the hammer coming down or being judged or being punished or being whipped or whatever— But when we look at God, which is what Jesus is bringing out today with the prodigal son, when we look at God the Father, we don't have a Father that's going to judge and going to keep us away and throw us out and ignore us. You see, this story in in Jesus' time had a different ending usually. It was supposed to talk about a just man and how his son does this whole thing. And when the son comes back, he stays waiting for him. And the son comes and grovels and says his thing, and he says, who are you? He looks at him and basically ignores anything about him, saying, we have no relation. You have already run away from me. And his justice, and he's praised for his justice, because even his own son wouldn't be welcomed back in his house. But when Jesus does this, he flips it on its head. He looks at the Pharisees and says, that's not how God is. God's not just to cast out. He's just in his mercy. He wants to give his mercy. He wants to invite us back in. So whenever Jesus gives today's parable, there's a line that I think is so important. While the son was still a long way off, the father saw him and ran to him. Now, I don't hunt. I don't claim to hunt. But I do know that if you want to see a deer that's 300 yards away, you better be looking at the horizon. You better be paying attention to the clearing. You better, if you want to see something that's a long way off, you better be looking for it. So all I can imagine is that from the moment the sun left to the day he came back, the good and loving and merciful father sat outside on his porch and his rocker, staring at the horizon, waiting for his boy to come back. And the moment he recognized him, he ran to him. You see, God is like, that's how God is. That's how God works. God is, God is a just God and a, and a true God, Absolutely. But he's also a merciful God. And the moment that we decide, Lord, I am sorry for my sins, and we turn back to him, the moment that we confess our sins in confession, he's a good and loving father that gets up and runs to us. The the, the son in the story looks at him and says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Just make me a slave in your household. The father's response, he doesn't even acknowledge it. He doesn't even acknowledge the script that his son memorized. He looks at his servants and says, have a celebration because my son is home. My son is back. You know, I broke a window at eight years old. And I still remember to this day 
that there wasn't fighting, there wasn't judgment, that there wasn't hurt, there wasn't a whipping, there wasn't anything like that. It might have been a comment or two, but that was about it. And buddy, I love you. That's how the Father, whenever we experience God's mercy and God's love, that's how the Father speaks to us. That's how the Father looks at us. You're my little girl, and you're not going to change that. You're, buddy, you're not going to be able to be anything other than my son. Today, as we come, as we come to this celebration of the Eucharist, as we continue in the season of Lent, like God is coming to meet us the same way. God is running out to us. He doesn't run the distance from a porch to a horizon. He runs the distance from heaven to earth, and he comes to meet us on the altar to meet you. He comes to meet us today here when we receive him. And he brings his mercy with us. He brings his mercy to us with him. God's here to forgive our sins, to be with us, to lift us up out of the mud and the muck of our sin, out of the shame and isolation that it causes, and bring us back into communion with him. So today, as we come to, to celebrate this Mass, what are we bringing? What isolation do you find yourself in? What pattern of sin is in your life right now that, Lord, I just want you to break. I just want you to pull me out of it. What shame are you carrying? See, the Lord wants to be the antidote, the merciful antidote to our shame, to our isolation, to our sin during this Lenten season. And as we, come to as we come to celebrate this Mass, as we come to give all of that junk to God, he wants, he, what He wants to do is He wants to reestablish us in His good graces. He wants to lift us back up and put us where we belong, as, as His child next to Him, close to Him. May as we come to this celebration we'd be bold enough to bring everything, all the junk of our life, to let God into it as we receive him today.